Hello everyone, you're listening to Game Rivals, a podcast where a Nintendo fan and a PlayStation fan talk about the latest games and happenings in the gaming community and industry. I'm one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and together with Sean Templar, we bring you this bi-weekly podcast about video games. In this episode, we recap the year of 2018 by talking about the highs and lows that caught our attention, the Game Awards 2018, and our personal favorites of the year, and at the end our thoughts of what we expect and look forward to in 2019. Okay, now on to the first segment, which is um, talking about the highs and lows of 2018 in gaming. Um, So would you like to start us off? Sure, definitely. I think that 2018 was a impressive year for gaming. I saw a couple of days ago, I read some articles online saying that it might have been the best game year so far. Yeah, but kind of they kind of say that every year. I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah, they say that every year. Yeah, so, like, I'm going to be honest with you. You know this about me. I'm a big Sony fanboy. Yeah. Um, and for Sony, it has been an amazing year. Um, we've had amazing titles, starting mm-hmm. with God of War in April, which also won Game of the Year at the Game Wouldn't Award. you go a bit even further back with, like, Monster Hunter? Yeah, yeah, but like specifically talking about Sony, yeah. uh, I'd say that Sony had a tremendous year. Um, if we back it up, yeah, definitely. We had Monster Hunter, yeah. which had some exclusive content on the PlayStation. Um, it was a great game. It was my first Monster Hunter. I and think it it's a lot of people's first Monster yeah, Hunter. Because it yeah, it sold the most. Definitely. Like for Capcom, it's the best Capcom game yeah. ever. Yeah. At, what, 10 million units? I don't know the exact thing, yeah. but they really did well. And I think it has to do with their approach because they... Made a more Western game this time. Yeah. And Monster Hunter traditionally is a really Japanese game, so they made a, a broader appeal, which makes it really nice. Yeah. Um, I bought it, I played it, I loved it. Um, it wasn't really easy to play it with friends, but that's maybe because the tutorials were a bit too on the thin side, but like actual combat, fighting the animals, it was really cool. All right, which is, it's kind of ironic that you would say that, considering that this is probably the easiest in terms of playing with other people. It has ever been because I've played Monster Hunter since Try on the Wii, mm-hmm. and let me tell you, back then it was not <laughs> easy hooking up with people online. Like if you if you want to hook up with randos, that's fine. But yeah. if you hook up your, with your friends, even on the 3DS with Monster Hunter um, Generations um, or Monster Hunter Full Ultimate, it was just it was almost next to impossible to be like, okay, I made this room. Come in and let us do some hunting together. You have to make a room. You have to give them the room name so they can look for it. They can't even go into the friends list and see, oh, he made a room. Let me join. That was not possible. But is that like a shortcoming of the game or of Nintendo's online structure? No, no, no. no, no. Because the same problem, they have the same problem with uh, Monster Hunter on the PlayStation 2. Okay. um, And... Well, not the PSP because the PSP didn't have online. It only had ad hoc. Okay. So, you know, that circumvented that problem. But they still had that problem when they ported the portable games to the PlayStation 3 in Japan. So it still kind of had that problem because it was technically mimicking the ad hoc um, environment in there. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, Monster Hunter World changed all that and made it for the better. That's, I think, one of the real reasons why it was so successful. Because now, when you say, well, I'm going to be your Monster Hunter guru, 
you can actually have a Monster Hunter guru. And even if you don't, you can just like the SOS player and have a bunch of Japanese yeah. guys help you out. Yeah, so, that's cool. Yeah. 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 So that was one of the one of the fun games at the beginning of the year. Um, I saw that Sea of Thieves came out, which was going to be a big title for Microsoft, but it kind of yeah, tanked because it had a lot of issues, a lot I of end game issues. I think Microsoft would beg to have you differ on that one, though. I did a lot of only, writing only, on it. Well, only because it was free on Games Pass, so they have technically a lot of people that own the game because yeah. a lot of people have Game Pass. Yeah, but I like, to, to be honest, like... They have a, a kind of an exclusive issue, yeah. and we, we might get that into it later this year because they pulled off something cool at E3, which kind of broadens their portfolio. But like, yeah. they had a lot riding on it, and it didn't kind of give them what they wanted or didn't meet the, the expectations. And so we, we skipped that, and then I believe, I, I don't know, like in February, March, we got Mass Effect Andromeda. Which personally, I was really, really looking forward to. I think a lot Same of here. people were looking forward to it. And then that game also, like tanked because you know there, there was a big there was a lot of expectation and then after the game came out people had all sorts of issues with it and then shortly thereafter there were reports servicing online that the game had been mismanaged overmanaged that they switched the whole game like two years or one year in, in production they, they had a let's put it simply they had a lot of issues with yeah definitely yeah i think because i didn't play Andromeda mostly because of the role parts that came out yeah, before it. I played but it. even before that I wasn't a hundred percent sure on Andromeda myself because it was coming out way too soon for me to be like, okay, yeah. we're ready for the next Mass Effect. Yeah. I mean I guess people were ready for the next Mass Effect, but I think a lot of people also kind of forgot how the last Mass Effect ended. Yep. So it was like <laughs> kind of like, well, what are you expecting from this franchise now? Because the story has been told. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to start a new story, that's fine. But basically what they did with the first Mass Effect was they captured lightning in a bottle. Yep. And they tried to replicate, quite literally actually, tried to replicate it with the second game and tried to replicate it again with the third game, and it worked on its own merits. The things that those two games did, I personally love Mass Effect 2. That's the one that I put probably the most hours into. I love it too. But I haven't finished Mass Effect 3 yet. And Same here. It's, and it's not because the game is bad. No. But it's because it were, I was just doing the same things over again. Yeah. And I think... The things that they tried to do differently with Mass Effect and Dromeda would have worked if they had the time for it. I don't think they had the time for it to do it. And then they switched focus to um, Anthem. Anthem. Yeah. So now we have the interesting problem of, is Anthem going to be good? We don't know. Yeah. And it started off looking very interesting, but looking very interesting is not enough for a game. I mean, we've had a lot of games that looked really interesting and then just were a complete thud <laughs> on arrival. Yeah. So, I'm still very skeptical about Anthem. It looks interesting, um, but yeah, BioWare kind of needs to step up their game. Uh, well, I think that they kind of did because they brought back Casey Hudson, which was the one of the producers on the original Mass Effect, right. and he's now one of the studio heads because shortly after 
Andromeda Tank, the studio had left. Yeah. And then they got back Casey Hudson, who was over at Microsoft, I believe, after he left uh, Bioware. So they kind of brought him back. Yeah. And he's kind of like riding the ship now. And Wait, I think what was he doing at Microsoft? Uh, he was working at one of their uh, technology divisions. We're looking at, I believe, VR, AR, emerging technology, stuff like that. I think I don't think he was doing anything with games. He was really in a technological role there. Yeah. Uh, but they brought him back. So now you've seen him like pop up into multiple uh, shows at Gamescom. They did like a segment where he was there. So I think like he's really trying to show like, hey, I'm back. I'm I'm trying to write the sh the course of the ship. I'm trying to lead this studio yeah. and show you all that Anthem is gonna be our next game. A lot of people are saying it's going to be a destiny killer or whatever well we'll just have to wait and see about that because everybody every persistent or whatever a live service game of that yeah. scale is called the destiny killer this, these days so yeah we, we just have to wait and see honestly isn't destiny 2 kind of a destiny 2 killer destiny killer anyways <laughs> like i mean look i'm not a big fan when it comes to first person shooters like first person games depending on what kind of genre it is i love it like for example the fallout games i love the fallout games oh i hate them i hate them but we'll get to <laughs> fallout yet yes um yeah well like after mass effect we had our like our first massive hit or, like besides monster we had like our huge mass hit which was god of war yeah i don't know if you didn't i, I don't know if you played the previous god I of mean, war well i i played a bit of the first i couldn't get into it okay. and i tried it again when they did the trilogy yeah but Honestly, I, I mean, I get the, I get the core thing about it is the combat and yeah. the flow of the combat and all of that. Yeah. What to me was off-putting was, um, the excessive violence. Oh, I love it. Which I is love like, it. Like, there, I, there's a time and place for excessive violence, and I can get that you can have excessive violence in a video game, but <laughs> for me, it didn't work okay. because. To me, Kratos was just more of this angry guy. And in the first ones or in this one? In all the previous ones? Like, in this one, he's more mellow. He's but, a lot different. Like he really but I think that's also because of the story specific has changed. Because now he's not a loner. Yeah. He has someone to take care of. Yeah. And he's trying to bring him up, you know, in the absence of, you know, the missing mom. Yep. And... It is cool to see look, those throwbacks to like what he did in the past and why um, the Norse gods are coming after him mm. now. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I still haven't finished God of War. I'm still playing through it. Man, but I, I, I will say this. The, as far as I've been, I've enjoyed it a lot. The only thing that I'm not really happy with are some of the environmental puzzles. Okay. They yeah. can kind of get a bit um, too cryptic. Well, is, I have to, like, like compared to the previous one, these are more easier. Like, yeah, I remember well, the first one. Okay, like, really okay, hard. Like, in figuring it out, sure. I mean, like in execution. Yeah. Like for example, the the the, the, the uh, whenever you need to do like the axe based ones, I kind of don't like those. Okay. Because you like you have to be really quick. Mm -hmm. Um, and like in the earlier stuff, it's like easy pieces, but I got to this point, um, I think still fairly early on again in the game where you like have to constantly flip uh, a panel with the axe mm -hmm. until, you know, and the whole platform and, lowers yeah. and, and then free. Yeah, yeah. Th that stuff gets tedious to me.
Yeah, I can imagine. Like, for ex from my perspective, is that I played the previous ones. Mass Effect, oh, sorry, God of War is partially about excessive violence. I like. I remember in the third one, there yeah. was one that you could you actually you would pull off the head of one of either the gods or the heroes and you would yeah. actually see him pulling off his head and see like the skin yeah. rupture and uh, something like that. Yeah, yes, it, ex that. it is excessive, um, <laughs> but it's kind of the trademark of the game. And what I loved about this one is that like, they didn't like go over that. They kind of, yeah. they toned it down a little bit and they like added more of these fantasy creatures that you, you can literally just walk up to a person and like pull them apart, rip them apart, yeah. which is really satisfying. Like after a long day of work, when I got <laughs> home and I did that, and yeah. like, I, I could almost like, I was almost screaming at my TV like, yeah, you know, I was really, I loved it. And like yeah. the comment was good. And I love the story because it's really about that he's used to like thinking about himself and fighting for his survival. And now he has a son and he kind of has to like raise his son, but he doesn't know how because he's used to like only looking out for himself and he's yeah. overprotective constantly. And then his son is trying to figure out like who his dad is and why his dad is in Norway and what, or in Norse times. And like his son is constantly asking him questions and he's constantly saying, yeah, boy, I can't tell you, boy, move, boy, <laughs> little lot of boy. And that, that makes it cool. And the game like, of 2018. <laughs> yeah, but you can actually see him grow. And like at the end, it's really like they have a bond and they're really together. And you can you, that's the beauty of the game. You can see their relationship develop. And that like when something happens to his boy, he's like, boy, no, he actually cares about his son. Yeah. Sometimes he gets mad, but that's what I loved about the game. It's not like a sequel or whatever, and you don't have to know anything about the previous games. That it's is cool to know, yeah. but it, you don't have to know. It's like a nice added benefit. Yeah, but that is also the thing that I like about this. Like, this is how you would treat a proper reboot. Definitely. Um, which is really great. Um, yeah. Which is also why we'll get to it later, but why it won mm. the award that it did. Definitely. Um, other than that, um, Actually, from my side of, uh, of things, um, knowing that I'm a Nintendo guy, of course, oh. um, for me, um, there are a few highs and lows. The, the lows for me were there, there weren't a lot of games coming out on Switch from Nintendo themselves. Mm -hmm. um, they had a couple of good games come out for the Switch this year. Um, obviously, the big one being Smash, but also the Pokemon Let's Go games are like really awesome. Um, Aren't those the kind of games that look like Pokemon Go on the on the mobile no. devices? Because I like I didn't play yeah. it, but I heard a lot of people complaining, saying like, "Yeah, it's like Pokemon Go, but it's pretty." Yeah, but that's no, it's because of the the the, the capture mechanic. Ah, okay. so they changed the capture mechanic where it's not a battle anymore. Yeah. To capture a Pokemon, some Pokemon you still need to capture. Uh, you still need to battle to be able to capture them, but they changed it for the ease of use of the the capture mechanic mm, from Pokemon okay. Let's Go. But I feel that that was, I mean, that was the whole point of it because they have, I think, about 200 million active users on Pokemon Go. Damn. And they're trying to pull them in into the main line. Yeah. But you can't go from Pokemon Go straight to like a mainline Pokemon game. Yeah. That is a jarring step for like a lot of people. <laughs> Especially if they haven't played Pokemon since the red, blue, and yellow days. Yeah. So of course they'll do a remake of Yellow, which is familiar to a lot of people that are playing it already. So, yeah, I mean, that game... 
like if you like look past that, if you look past the whole um, oh the capture mechanic is from Go and just purely focus on what makes Pokemon good and that is the first the battles and the the story for as light as the story is it's really good. Plus, honestly, you kind of can't beat playing with your Pikachu or Eevee. They're just <laughs> like I on my Twitter I put this most adorable animation of me like just petting my Pikachu and okay. the most adorable laugh that came out of it and I'm just like okay I'm done I'm, I'm sold I'm like take me now wow <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool to have a game have that effect I mean like I didn't play Pokemon Go on, on mobile yeah. um, I, I like the only Pokemon games I played were was Pokemon Red on a Game Boy Pocket like 20 years ago or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's cool to see it making a comeback um, to be honest, I bought a Switch this year as an impulse, and I bought Zelda with it, and I had like never really properly played a Zelda game. Yeah, uh, good place to start though. Yeah, I, I love the Zelda, and I mean like I, I like went into it open mindedly. I just bought Zelda. Like okay, let me finish Zelda first, and then see about Mario Odyssey, which I didn't play. Yeah, um, I sold my Switch actually, <laughs> but like what I loved it is that it was an open world game. Yeah, it was. And everything made sense. Like, I would collect fruit, and then I would see, like, a, a pan, and I'm like, okay, what happens if I just hold my fruit and I throw it into the pan? What will happen? And then it would just cook and give me improved stats on my on my uh, fruit. Yeah. So that was really a moment for me in which I thought, like, okay, holy shit, I didn't expect this. So um, I think that, that it's cool for Nintendo to pull in uh, people from Pokemon. Yeah. But I think that like they also need to focus on making games like Zelda, like which which yeah, really and, in, uh, and attracts our core audience. Well, and that is something that we're gonna get into later in the podcast and then later in the episode um, about you know the things that could, that we're gonna look forward to uh, in this year. Um, like I'm just gonna like spoiler alert. I think this is gonna be probably even bigger than Switch's first year. Which Switch's first year, like 2017, was massive. To 2018 was okay. Um, they this is one of those times where I am gonna say they were able to rely on third parties and indies for 2018 yep. to carry the Switch. Um, maybe not as well as their first party offerings would have, but still surprisingly well. I mean, we got the. Uh, earlier in the year, we got the remake. We got the port of uh, Wolfenstein uh, yeah. Two, yeah. which is surprisingly well. I uh, played it for, on PS4 last year. I loved it. Yeah, and the only real difference is that it looks a little worse for wear, and it runs at thirty frames per second, but it still plays well. Yeah. And Panic Button actually brought out an update later in the year that improves the stability of the game and even makes it look a little better. Yeah. Uh, in some places like they actually look better so um that's also actually another thing about then then we'll finish this segment off is that um a lot of developers are now starting to realize oh snap the switch is actually selling well mm -hmm. people want games on the switch Definitely. what can we throw against them yeah. because if you like look for example at namco bandai yeah. even though that they're a partner with nintendo like they made you know, they made Smash Ultimate in partnership with Namco Bandai. They themselves did not put out a lot of games in the first year. They did a few, like a bunch of the Atelier games. And um, I think uh, one of 
they, they, they don't do uh, the Fate Stay games, no. Um, you can tell me anything. I honestly don't know. <laughs> the no, I mean, they, they put out a few games on the Switch in, the, in its first year, but this year was kind of meager. Um, they did port uh, Dragon Ball Fighters oh, to nice. Switch. Nice. And it plays really well. Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. Because I tried the beta. I haven't bought it yet, but I tried the beta, and it ran very smoothly. For the most part. Like, sometimes you'll get into a battle with a person, and that person just has a shitty internet connection. <laughs> so then you know, like, okay, lag. I know it's not me because I'm using a wired adapter on my Switch. So I know that I'm not the problem here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, you saw a lot of ports suddenly getting either coming out in 2018 or getting announced for next year. But, like, from a lot of third parties. So from the third-party perspective... I'm kind of curious what they're going to do next year as well. But for 2018, they kind of actually stepped up to the plate for the Switch. And I, I kind of think that's really cool. Okay, but let's be honest here. Because we're also seeing it with the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. Like, what's kind of happening is that a lot of games uh, from, like, the previous generation yeah. are being ported to the PlayStation and the Xbox and then being either upscaled or remastered, whatever yeah. you want to call it. yeah. So I mean, the games, same is not happening to the Switch. Yeah, 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 but like my question is, like, um, in some cases it's beneficial because some games, for example, Shadow of the Colossus, well, is like completely remade mm. and it was almost like a completely new game. So that's like an, a step I understand. Yeah. But like, what I'm wondering is it, isn't it like, doesn't it look like a quick cash grab for developers to like, just as like they're throwing old games on the PlayStation and the Xbox, they're like, okay, hey, we're actually selling Switches now. Let's see what we have in our catalog and just throw it over to the Switch and then we can just make a quick cash grab because there are actually people on the Switch that want to play our game, but they're not doing it because they want it to be on the Switch. They're just doing it from a business point of view. That's my question. Yeah, so um, I want to leave that for at least for the next segment, but let me just say this on that. Yeah, that is happening. Um, I mean, like I said before, like Namco Bandai is like suddenly... Like a very good example is from Namco Bandai is that now all of a sudden they announced two games like late last year for the Switch from the Sword Art Online franchise. Like one is a really old, like I think PlayStation 3 era game that they're porting over to the Switch. And another one is from 2017 that came out on a PlayStation 4, Xbox One and PC. Mm -hmm. And that is getting a release this summer. So it's kind of like, well, that's great that you're bringing it out, but it's kind of late. I'm not sure you're going to get a lot of an attention that it deserves. But to me, I think that the reason why they're doing that is because they want to get out something quick. They want to get noticed on the Switch and be like, okay, we're putting these things out, so notice us that we're putting that kind yeah. of stuff out on the Switch. And that's fine. It's just I kind of wish they did it this year and not next uh, uh la last year and not this year <laughs> sorry okay. still getting used to yeah, same here. 2019 all right um so uh do you have any final highs and lows i mean yeah. we talked about a lot like, of highs not a lot but we like we, we talked about like the first half of the year and then yeah. we forgot about the second half of the year like we had uh sony with the detroit become human which was made by quantic dream the guys yeah. behind uh um fahrenheit and heavy rain which was a yeah. no good game and then moving later into the year, we got the most anticipated game for a lot of people, which was Red Dead Redemption. Um, 
the funny thing is a week before Red Dead, I was playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I love the Assassin's Creed franchise. Yeah. They had a few mishaps with it, but I loved Odyssey and a lot of reviewers said it was the best Assassin's Creed game so far, which I agree with. I, I loved it. It was cool that you were like this Spartan descendant of King Leon Leonidas. <laughs> so you could also do his famous Spartan kick from the movies, which was yeah. really cool. And like the ma the world was massive. You could, you could go anywhere. You could do everything. And you could be a, a guy or a girl. I played as the girl. You know why I played as a girl? Because I think it's super cool that they give girls an option in those games. And what I love is that the girl's acting performance and the voice was actually better than the guy's. The guy's voice really sucked, and the, but that's cool. Generally with games, and, and this is a really sensitive subject, but like women are always put in like a lesser position in games when True. there's a main character. Yeah. And I actually love the fact that they said, you know, well, screw the guy, we're going to make his voice bad, and the woman's guy voice is like super cool, and I loved it. You yeah, know? Like it, but there is there is an exception to that rule, and that's Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's be honest, you played as Fem Shep. Like Fem No, and I played as male Shep. No. Shep. Yeah, because, no. but like, Fem Shep is the one true Shep. But I didn't change my, like, with some games, I don't customize my character at all. It's like the best, the simplest thing I can get because I just want to start playing. And yeah. the same with, with Red Dead Redemption Online. Yeah. My character looks like a hillbilly, and I honestly don't care that it looks like a hillbilly because I'm like, I want to play this game. Yeah. But like, moving back to that, Red Dead came out. I loved it. And the, the funny thing is, I bought it online through the PlayStation Store, yeah. so unlocked at midnight, and suddenly I saw people online at at midnight that were that hadn't been online for months or years on their PlayStation. <laughs> so I was actually seeing 15 people online playing Red Dead Redemption. I'm like, okay, this must be something. And I I love that game. Yeah. But it's not my game of the year. And it's because it's the, that would be the most obvious pick. And I loved what they did. Yeah. But I'd still pick something else over it. But we'll cover that later. Yeah. Right. Um, there is one more low point I do want to cover before we end this segment. And uh, oh boy, it's it's pretty big. <laughs> I mean, you know what we're I'm gonna talk about, right? Well, surprise the audience. Okay. So um, there's two, th three, four things that happened. Three specifically with one particular company. But let's talk about the other one first because I think a lot of people have already forgotten that that happened. Which is Blizzard at BlizzCon oh, announcing snap. Diablo Immortal yep, yep. for iOS. <laughs> and I love that they basically streamed it online for everybody to see because you could, like, even if you weren't there in the audience, you could feel their yeah, frustration heard, yeah. coming over yeah. and just like seeing the videos online yeah. that is just like, oh my yeah. God. Oh. Why? why? It's not what you would expect from Why them. would you announce something like this at such a big event? It's not for them. Like, yeah. I'm going to, yeah. But, but I think it has to do with, like, leading up to the event. Because a lot leading of people were event, expecting Diablo. Yeah, but, like, a lot of people were expecting Diablo 4. And they kind of, like, either Blizzard made a, like, a complete different, ex put down the, the wrong expectations. Or they messaged it wrong. But everybody was saying, hey, totally. there's all hints about Diablo 4. Yeah. So they're going to show Diablo 4. And then when they came up with this mobile reskin of some Chinese-Asian game, which a lot of people call it. Yeah. It suddenly became bad and then people were like but yeah but you were going to talk about diablo 4 and then blizzard tried to defend itself and it well, completely went wrong well yeah they they hinted that they were going to talk about diablo they didn't specifically hint that they were going to talk about diablo 4 i know what i honestly think that they should have done is just what basically what nintendo does is that they keep that stuff separate like 
there has only been one direct that ever mentioned a mobile game and that was just to announce that it exists yeah. because Mario Kart Tour which is the Mario Kart game that's supposed to come out for iOS somewhere between now and March okay um, was not announced through a Nintendo Direct it was announced during a investors meeting hmm. and the same goes for a lot of the other mobile games that they brought out like Animal Crossing uh, uh, what is the the Mitomo? Rest in peace. Does Super Mario Run. Super Mario Run was also announced, not necessarily through. Uh, I think it was done at an it, Apple it, event. It wasn't. Yeah, that one actually was done at an Apple. Yeah, with the, the, the uh, Apple uh, event back with then. the Miyamoto-san there. Exactly. So like they know where when to pick their battles. That's mm-hmm. basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And um, the other companies tend to follow suit in knowing when to pick their battles. Mm-hmm. Blizzard did not no, pick the right place to pick this battle because this honestly should have been just like an announcement yeah. on YouTube or whatever, like yeah. maybe a small YouTube or like Twitch event. event. Yeah. Not, not even during BlizzCon. It should have taken place before BlizzCon, yeah. honestly, or after BlizzCon. Yeah. Not at your biggest fan event of the year. That is just, <laughs> that is like so not reading the room. Yep. And then we come to probably the lowest of lows of 2018. And that is Fallout 76. Oh, man. Oh, there's been so many mishaps. Yo. Okay, so first of all, I... We haven't played Fallout 76 yet. I don't play any Fallout game. I can't, like... My main issue with with that and with with Skyrim, and I played Skyrim as the last Bethesda RPG, is that... The characters, like, they can't convey emotion. So, like, when something really bad happens in the game, they look you at like you... as in the facial expression. Yeah, for example, so they're yeah. like, oh, no, your father died. And then they look at you, <laughs> <laughs> like, the fact that you're laughing right now, it, like, it confirms what I mean. Like, with this lifeless expression, oh, no, your father died. Yeah, and then there's just, like, awkward silence, and then you have to pick a dialogue option, like... Whoa, okay. Yeah, but... The, the, okay, so... And I can't get past it. I tried with Skyrim, and then, after, like, maybe it's because no, I don't okay, like Okay, so setting. I get past it very easily because my focus is on the gameplay. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I know. The, like, in terms of a, a facial expressions, they leave a lot to be desired. And the, the graphics. But, and the graphics also kind of, sort of, leave a lot to be desired. But, for me, it's always been the gameplay. And... Yeah. I haven't played a new Fallout since Fallout Las Vegas, New Vegas. That was a good one, I heard. Which was a really good one. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, but what they did with Fallout 76 in terms of the gameplay, the sna- the big snafu with the collector's edition with the bags. Yep. Yo, and let's not even forget how they tried to resolve that and people suddenly getting access to other people's information. Definitely. Like and before that... Did you hear about what they said about before the game came out? They, the, the game, well, before the release, they said, this is our first online game. Yeah. So we're going to have to learn as we go. So you'll see a lot of bugs and, and issues with the game. Well, and they're we'll just try being upfront about what they always yeah, have. Like, and that's a game that is buggy as all hell, but at least it's playable. But these bugs yeah. don't make the game playable. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a slap in the face. Yeah. And I get it. It's an online experience, so that means that um, 
it'll grow. I mean, like, even with uh, uh, Sea of Thieves, even that took a while to finally catch some steam. Yeah, definitely. So I believe that they might be able to do that. I don't know. But in terms of other stuff that they did, in terms of the PR side of things, they need to, like, just either pull a No Man's Sky and, like, go radio silent on Fallout 76 and just silently update it for at least the foreseeable future. But I like there was also this issue that that the a few people post like online about what they had with their experiences with customer support reps. Yeah. And then uh, Bethesda came out and said, "Yo, but that's like an external company we hired to help us with customer support, and they're not part of us, and that's not the answer we should have given. So we're sorry about that." But like the fact that you have to go that way and have to explain that all is just wrong. I mean, like. Yeah. Customer support, and it's like maybe it's a Dutch thing, but here they always say like the customer is, is the king or should be treated like a king. So not like we need to yeah. pull out all stops. And then like... Well, there are some caveats to that. Yeah, definitely. But like then the fact that they do that and say like, you know, they're not part of us. So they kind of distance themselves from it. Like, but hey, it's the first experience or the first impression that a customer gets. Yeah. And it's a bad one. And you only get one shot at the first impression. So like if... The, if if your customer in that moment suffers under that, they might say, you know what, I don't want to play this game anymore. And yeah. I'm not going to buy any of those games. So, like, you lose a customer for life over a stupid bag, yeah. which they should have fixed in the, in the first place. Oh, and the funny part is, the people that they get the, are getting the replacement have to wait at least six months. I actually heard a story of a person that I know that might get the bag... And he didn't even have the collector's edition. He bought the regular edition and he found like a, a loophole or he tried no something. Way. And then he was able to get the bag or at least they confirmed that he's going to get the bag. So I'm like, oh, so you're taking more money than I, sh- than I should pay for this game. And then I'm getting a bag, but somebody that paid less for it can also get the bag. So oh, I was like, no, oh, that's so really? nice. Then why should I give you more money for this game? Uh this yeah. is why collector's edition kind of just yep. should. Just give me a statue. Like yeah. I know that Ubisoft does it a lot with their collecting editions. They give these cool statues. Give me a stupid statue, but don't give me a stupid bag and then have somebody else get the same bag for less. Honest, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, uh, it's it, it's a to- it's like a completely topic, different topic that we can continue to go on and on about. But um, let's just end it at this. Um, I think we got at least. The, all the major highs and lows of the years. Like, there's we might have forgotten a few, but like, yeah, about, it's like, like 12 months. Yeah. So, all right. Um, so that's it for this first segment. We'll be back um, after this. Yeah, we'll be back after this. Okay, and we're back on to the second segment, which is uh, talking about the Game Awards. Yep. Um, Specifically, stuff that surprised us, um, also about the game of the year, yeah. um, and also we're gonna talk about a f- few of our personal favorites. Not that we think that it's the game of the year, but just the personal favorites for us yeah. that we played in twenty eighteen. Um, that also came out in twenty eighteen. Um, so let's start with the first thing that um, surprised us. Uh, what was what's what's your favorite, Sean? I think that the thing that surprised me the most about the Game Awards of this year was that God of War took Game of the Year. And that's specifically because it got nominated in a lot of categories, but... It did a lot of them, though. Well, like the most important ones, it kind of yeah. like a nomination, but it, 
Red Dead Redemption got nominees in almost all the categories that were possible. Yeah. And it took a lot of the awards in a lot of categories. <laughs> no kidding. Like, when, when I saw it, I'm like, okay, they're going to take Game of the Year because that's the most logical step. And yeah. then out of the blue, God of War got Game of the Year, which was one of the biggest surprises and was ca- kind of the one I was hoping for. Yeah. It was cool to see that they got it. Um, I love the fact that they like got the whole team on stage and had this this cool speech. I, I loved it, and I didn't see it coming. I thought, okay, you know what? It's cliche, but Red Dead Redemption is gonna take it home. And it's not because Red Dead Redemption is Red Dead Redemption because of the name. It the game did a lot of cool stuff, Red Dead. Yeah. But it left more of an impact on me with God of War than with Red Dead. So that was a big surprise for me of the show. Um, I think you had another one. Yeah, so um, one of the things that um, was really cool about this one, and I think it's also kind of because it ties back to our previous segment, <laughs> um, which is the like the makers of the Fallout series suddenly coming on stage and announcing that they have a new game that they're working on with Obsidian, which is, as we know now, a Microsoft-owned studio, yep. but this is not an Xbox-exclusive game. Yep. It's a game that's coming out on Xbox, it's coming out on PlayStation 4, it's going to come out on PC, yep. which is really cool. The stinger of that one, though, is <laughs> that they touted themselves as the originators of the Fallout series, yeah. working together with the guys that made Fallout New Vegas, which a lot of people consider to be a really good follow-up to Fallout 3, yeah. which I feel like is also the same. I loved Fallout 3, but... oh, that one had issues. Mostly story-wise, because the ending was kind of dumb. I don't then know why play it. They so. tried to <laughs> fix it with the DLC, and it's like, wait, but I... Like, I lit, like, spoiler alert for a game that's over a decade old, but you die at the end of Fallout 3, and then the DLC rolls over, and it's like, oh, surprise, you didn't die. The Brotherhood of Steel picked you up. It's like, no, they couldn't have. I was not in a position to be rescued at all. (laughs) This was a self-sacrificial ending for the player. Nice. So, yeah, but Fallout New Vegas, like, did not tread any of that. It took place in a new location, New Vegas, and it had a lot of cool, interesting characters. Almost, almost, uh, what is the game that I'm actually thinking about right now? Is, uh, Enlightened. Far Cry. Far Cry. Almost Far Cry 3 like characters in oh, there. Oh, that's cool. But, which is really fun because the main character is just like a complete asshole. Do you want to know the definition of insanity? That's one of the characters, <laughs> yeah. main things in Far Cry 3, what Voss yeah. says. I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, maybe not to Voss level, because Voss is just, like, insane. Well, it was a really but good bad guy. But it was pretty close. And yeah. Fallout New Vegas was fun. So, like, having those two groups of people come together, make a new game... Um, in... What was it called again? It's called The Outer Worlds. The Outer Worlds. Yeah, The Outer uh, the, out, the Outer Worlds? The yeah, Outer the Worlds, Outer something Worlds. like that. Yeah, yeah. I like, when I saw the trailer, I felt like it was uh, a Borderlands meets Fallout Crossing, so which I kind of like, and kind of yeah. maybe the style as well. Um, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do. Um, they don't, I don't know if they have a release date yet, Yeah. but I think it might come out this year. I kind of hope it's coming out this year. I don't think that it's been announced for this year. I know that it's been announced. I don't think they have a set date or yeah. even a set release. Yeah. 
Maybe area. like go, going on the Obsidian part, and that's what I mentioned in the previous segment, which is that like Microsoft pulled off a cool move this year in which they bought a huge load of studios in yeah. one go to bolster their first-party support because like, we also know that Sony has one of the best first-party support. Yeah. And they kind of made a unexpected move and bought uh, Ninja Theory, the guys behind Hellblade, Sen Senua's Sacrifice, which was a great game. They bought uh, the developer behind uh, For Forza Horizon, uh, I believe it's called Playground Games. They bought Obsidian. Um, they bought Wait, a few. I thought, they were already, I thought they already owned that developer. Obsidian? No, not Obsidian. The playground. Yeah. I don't. I don't know for sure, but like what I do know is they bought like a huge. Yeah, they bought a lot of yeah, studios. like five or six and studios in one. It's go. kind of ironic because it's complete. Like the complete antithesis of what they did in twenty twelve. Yeah. Which is like just shutter a whole bunch of their first party studios. Yep. And rely on third-party support. And rely on third-party support and rely on the entertainment aspect of the Xbox One, which was heavily, you know, the, it was the way that Don Matrick wanted it to go. Yeah. Which, we know like, what Don Matrick, that, like, he's been in the industry for so long. Yeah. But I don't think that there was anyone who missed the mark more than that guy ever did. And I, I don't want to put all the blame on him. I also kind of think that Steve Ballmer also is yeah. kind of to blame for that one. But them getting Phil Spencer and just making this big turnaround for them yeah. is, at least for me, it's very admirable It's an amazing comeback. Like, it's an yeah. amazing thing to see. And the focus is, of course, on the next Xbox with this, um, which they've pretty much been bold enough to say that that's what their focus is on. Because... Yep. If they acquire the studios now, now you're gonna have the turnover and see what they're gonna do. Yeah, with those yeah. This studios. is this is like a smart long-term investment. And the funny thing to see is like the the way Microsoft was this generation or is this generation was how Sony was last generation, and the way Sony is this generation was how Microsoft was last generation. When you look at it. Microsoft had the Call of Duty exclusive content. Yeah. Microsoft had a lot of games coming first to Xbox or having exclusive content on Xbox. And that all flipped. And that all flipped. And now Sony has Destiny exclusive content, Call of Duty exclusive content. But um, was it worth anything? Think I about think, it. I think it did. Because what you see is, is like what Sony would do is would they would push out their blockbuster titles in like the fall season. So like Uncharted would always come out in like the fall season. Yeah. So they would have a few games at the beginning of the year, and then their most games would come out at the end of the year. Yeah. And now what they've done is they've taken like all their big blockbuster games and kind of brought them back to the beginning of the year so that they can like maximize potential and momentum, and then rely more on third-party stuff during later of the year. Like when Destiny came out, they had exclusive content. Uh, Call of Duty came out, they had exclusive content. So they're like they're pulling away their blockbuster titles so can they can bring them out early on in the game because generally there's not a lot of stuff happening at the beginning of the year. So that, that way the game can get good reviews, sell a lot of numbers, get the, the attention it deserves. And then later in the year, they just either have one game they might bring out which will like be their blockbuster or they just play the, the exclusive content deal. They did the same with Red Dead. They said that exclusive no, like online content will first come to Red Dead on PlayStation and later to Xbox. And if you look at it, Sony didn't bring out anything in the last six months. They did everything at the beginning of the year, besides uh, Spider-Man, which is yeah. still an amazing game, which is kind of a segue to my 
next point, which is that Spider-Man was an amazing game. I think it's a great comeback for superhero games because superhero games generally suck. What's the last superhero game you remember coming out? <laughs> Iron, Honestly, like Iron Man like, like three on iOS or Dark Knight on iOS? No, 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 no. We no. I mean, talking legit like console game. I'm not talking about like iOS. any or like a good one. Any. Uh, when's the last one? Last. When's the last one that you remember? And no, you cannot talk about the Lego games because. Those always come out. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> it I, was Iron Man 3. Oh, maybe like... The, but that's the like, second one. But like maybe that's then like the exception, Batman Arkham Knight. But that's like a really, really big exception. Okay, that that's one is really, the last one. Yeah. yeah, but that's like... Besides normal, because those games are really good. And yeah. that's because they don't rely too much on movie lore and stuff like that. Because it's separate Not from even that. on comic book. I mean, they rely on the comic books for... The characters yeah. and then they spin it in yeah but that's way. I think that's the way to go yeah. and like what I loved about this Spider-Man game is that it just takes its own direction um, I love the way the mechanic is of swinging it really feels empowering like to swing not through the city not since Spider-Man 2 yeah Spider-Man 2 was amazing Spider-Man 2 nailed yeah, swinging and yeah. this is like even better yeah than. and that, that's really surprising because i know that they brought out like different spider-man games in the last few years yeah but this one just the combat is like a cross of the batman arkham games which i loved the swinging mechanic is amazing the graphics i played it on a ps4 pro in hdr 4k on my oled tv and it looked amazing the the only gripe i have with the games is the boss fights like a lot of the boss fights are the same formula and you can just win every boss fight in the same way that's yeah, the only gripe i have yeah, with the, the game yeah i'd have to agree yeah and like fights. what i also would bummed out about like early on in the game you can easily guess who the bad guy is and which direction is going to go and that's partially because of they spoiled a lot of the stuff in the trailers in in events and stuff like that. Which is the reason why I don't watch Marvel trailers like ever. I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, well, like I'll give a spoiler alert because I hope people played it otherwise plug yeah. your ears. Um, there's this character, I believe Mr. Lee or something like that and he works with Aunt May and you know because of you watch the trailers or because of the way like the game sets it up that like, oh, he could maybe be the, the one of the main bad guys. And then he turns out to be one of the main bad well, guys. Actually, they, I think the first trailer they showed showed that yeah. he was the bad guy. Yeah, and so it's kind of like... That was not really a... Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, like I love That was the, not the, really a surprise. The way it ended was cool with Doctor... Did you finish the game? No, I did not finish the game. Okay, then I'm like, Please, I'm but like Okay, let me not spoil it. But like, yeah. it's cool to see that the last act of the game does like a spin and it brings back it grabs some of the bad guys and there's like a transformation for some of the bad guys which is really cool and that makes it a fun game but yeah besides that like the main point i'm trying to make here is that it got nominated in a lot of categories it i don't think it won in any category or maybe like in one or two categories but like i don't think the, you game, mean the game awards yeah or like the just game in awards general? yeah the game awards like it i don't think it gets the attention that it deserves because um it was an amazing game, and a lot of people still talk about For this game. For what it is, yeah, I think a lot of people should talk should have talked about it more. Yeah. For what it is, I mean, like um, this is this is an amazing which game. Which is which which is a licensed game, well, not just a licensed game. It's a licensed property by Marvel. But a, by Marvel, but it's a first person title because it's made by a Sony studio. Yeah. 
So Insomniac. Well, they're yeah. not owned by Sony, but they work a lot with Sony. Yeah. I kind of hope Sony buys them because it's really dangerous to let these guys go because they make amazing games. Wait, no, wait. Insomniac is not owned by Sony. No, but I'm not, that's what I'm saying. They're not owned by Sony, but they work a lot with Sony. They worked on Ratchet & Clank. They worked on Resistance. But I hope Sony buys them because it would be a good addition to the Worldwide Studios family. Yeah, I mean, it would. But honest, part of me... Part of me also kind of wish they would remain independent because they make amazing games and I'd hope to see their games on other systems as well. I, as a fanboy that I am of Sony, I'd say, no, 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 let's keep them in Sony. Family. On a side tangent to, like, licensed IP, one of the things that surprised me the most was one of their first announcements during the Game Awards, which was Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Yeah, I didn't see that. As a Nintendo Switch exclusive. Yeah. I want to know who has what of who that made this happen. Because, one, apart from the fact that this game is happening, <laughs> there are X-Men in this game. Yeah. Like, not just Wolverine. There are legit other X-Men in this game. And I don't think that they've done that since Marvel, like the first Ultimate Alliance. It's because, a long time because ago. There, because, there were, because there, I know there was a thing with the licensing deal for certain characters in the Marvel Universe when it came to video games. Yeah. And those have kind of expired and have returned back to Marvel, which is really cool because now you can have this. Yeah. The other surprising thing about this announcement is that it's being made by Team Ninja. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. You know, the guys behind... Dead or Alive. Yeah, I know. And uh, what's the Ninja, Ninja Gaiden? Gaiden? Uh, yeah, Gaiden. Yeah. yeah, I know. And also the guys behind the um, not so. Uh, I won't. I don't want to say the most hated Metroid game of all time, but not a lot of people like it. Metroid Other M. I honestly don't know. I don't play Nintendo games. Yeah. Besides well, one. Well, let me put it this way: not their finest hour. Okay, okay. But, you know, people still have faith in Team Ninja, and the game looks very interesting, and it looks different from the previous Ultimate Alliance game, so yeah. I'm kind of curious how that's going to work out. And it's coming out this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm re like, the funny thing is, I sold my Switch, and I'll, I'll get to in a bit why I even have a Switch, seeing as I said that I'm a Sony fanboy. Yeah. But uh, I sold my Switch, and then <laughs> when I sold my Switch, I later realized, like, Oh shit, Marvel Ultimate Alliance is coming to the Switch and I actually want to play that game. So I'm kind of hoping it's a timed exclusive and it might come to the PlayStation afterwards. Mm, well, I'm going to have to disappoint you with that one because Nintendo's publishing it. Oh shit, okay. Yeah. So right. it's basically in the same realm of Bayonetta. Okay. So Bayonetta 1 can come out on any device because that one was published by, by Sega. Yeah. And Sega still technically owns the Bayonetta license mm -hmm. but the publishing rights to the other games bayonetta 2 and bayonetta 3 are nintendo's uh, so smart those smart are smart never going to come out on smart any smart other smart. system other okay, than okay. nintendo okay. systems well then i might steal your <laughs> switch and play marvel at the middle lines yeah <laughs> good luck with that because we're going to go into like our predictions for 2019 for this year in the next segment in the next segment suffice to say my switch is going to get its used okay well let me put it this way like we've had an amazing year and we've had amazing games and a lot of shows and award shows giving those ga uh, games awards if it has to come down to a top three and maybe a surprise game or a surprise moment for you i'll let you go first and i'll do mine 
What was your top three, and then a surprise game or moment of this year, starting with number three and working your way up to number one? Okay, so I didn't put my games in any particular order, so this is not okay. like an order of anything. But the first thing, the the game, one of the games that I put a lot of time into uh, in twenty eighteen was Octopath Traveler, and that's for two major reasons. One, I am a big old school Square fan from back in the day. You know, Final Fantasy VI, uh, Secret of Mana is my all time personal favorite game. Um, Chrono Trigger, um, stuff like that. Uh, all those th- all those games and the accumulation of that experience in a new team doing something like this for the first time. Uh, they have this, this this team is the same team that made if you have heard of it the Bravely Default games on 3DS. I honestly don't know. Those are a <laughs> retro throwback. They feel more like Final Fan like Final Fantasy three. And Final Fantasy V had a baby, and those are the Bravely Default games. Yay. This feels more like Final Fantasy VI had a baby with an Unreal Engine, and then you got Octopath Traveler. That's a beautiful baby. <laughs> <laughs> I like from the graphics standpoint alone, it's so amazing to see it because it's a two D game with two D aesthetics. But the world is 3D, kind of like a pop-up book. book. Oh, that's nice. And uh, if you've played the Bravely Default games, you'd also that's a similar style. The only difference with Bravely Default is Bravely Default is painterly in its diorama graphics, whereas this is just like the most beautiful pixel art that you've seen in 2018. That's good. I mean, we've had a lot of indie titles with a lot of beautiful... Um, yeah. Pixel artwork, but honestly, for my money, the pixel artwork in Octopath Traveler is the most beautiful one that I've seen. Next to stuff like Dead Cells and The Messenger, Ooh, nice. like those have like like stellar pixel art quality, just like mwah, just like perfect. <laughs> but Octopath Traveler for me was the best in that extent, and that also translates into the gameplay, as I said before. Mm. Um, one of the things with uh, the Final Fantasy titles. Uh, specifically 3 and 5, is the job system that's in there. And the job system is so flexible in this game. Basically, you start off with a character, um, one of the eight selectable characters from the beginning, and what you do is you pick that character, and that character is a certain class. At a certain point in time, when you have all the characters, you get to unlock their classes as a secondary class. So anybody can mix and match abilities, skills... And what have you, and just go to town with the with the combat system. The combat system is really awesome because it's classic turn based, where you don't. It's not like the active times stuff that you have in like later Final Fantasies, mm-hmm. but um, it is where you can choose how to do things. Like for example, uh, just time it out. You know, so that's like really amazing to me. Nice. Yeah. Definitely. And the other two? The other two are... Uh, let me grab my list real quick. For the other two is for me... I'm going to have to cheat a little bit because this one <laughs> came out at the end of 2017, but it got snubbed, and it got snubbed hard, in my opinion. Is it your surprise? 2018? No, it's not my surprise. Oh, okay. It's Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Okay. And it's follow-up DLC, Torna, the Golden Country. That game is... like In terms of JRPGs... That almost 
almost beats out Xenoblade. Uh, Xenoblade. I mean, Octopath Traveler for me. If it wasn't for the fact that it technically came out last year. Um, the gameplay is really tight. It is action, but you don't like have to press A the whole time. The battles are semi-automatic, but you do have strategic inputs into the games, which is really cool. So that's my second one. Um, this DLC, Torna, the Golden Country, actually improves on the game's that's battle right. system, yeah. which makes it even more fun to play. But take in mind, both games you do need a lot of time to put into. And for my third game uh, is, surprisingly... Spider-Man. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. we mentioned that a few minutes ago, so yeah. yeah. But here's the thing with Spider-Man, because I, I had a certain expectation when it came to Spider-Man. And with Spider-Man, the thing for me was to beat was the swinging mechanic mm -hmm. and the combat. Yeah. Because the combat was, in Spider-Man 2, was serviceable. Mm -hmm. And here, in Marvel Spider-Man, it's so good. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of the Arkham, the Arkham Asylum games, yeah. but it has its own spin towards it. Yep. Uh, whereas, you know, as Batman, you kind of feel like you're invincible. I mean, yeah. you're vulnerable still. Like if uh, an but enemy only has like a, when an, an enemy pulls out a gun. Exactly. Yeah. But if you get hit, like you're stunned like a bit and whatever. But <laughs> as Spider-Man, you are vulnerable. Yeah. Whether they have a gun or not, especially the melee, like the bruisers are... I'm, I will say this. The bruisers are kind of annoying to me. And like later in the game, you get abilities to deal with that, but in the beginning, they're really annoying. Yeah, they're really annoying. Because you have to throw stuff yeah. at them to kind of like beat them. Mobilize them, and then yeah. you can like beat them yeah. up. And yeah, like later in the game, you do get abilities, and then like yeah. you have this web ability maybe you already have that you can just like when you shoot it at somebody, it gets stuck against a wall or yeah. a car. Like you could my when favorite you that one, you can use it against those. My favorite one is the web blossom. Oh, that's nice. Like, <laughs> I. It, like, it doesn't matter what battle I'm in, I will always use the Red Blossom. Yeah, that's like, nice. And it doesn't matter what suit I'm wearing, I'm just like, oh, new suit, cool. Let new power, stuff. <laughs> okay, cool, whatever, Web Blossom. <laughs> <laughs> that's because nice. it helps with crowd control. Yeah, Especially definitely. when you're in a battle with a lot of characters, Yeah, it helps with the crowd control. Yeah, At least that's how I feel about yeah. it. And my surprise for 2018 is probably one that a lot of people be like, oh, that's my game of the year, and which is... God of War. Yeah. Um, I'm not a really big God of War fan. Uh, I've tried playing the other games in the past. I get the appeal, but I wasn't really gravitating towards that, and I felt that the combat got a little bit repetitive, even though the combat was kind of awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but this game is just yeah. next level. Yeah. The combat is just really nice, really satisfying. The story is actually engaging for me for once, and I want to see how it ends. Spoiler alert, I haven't finished the game, but I am on my way to finishing that game. Um, I got sidetracked with doing side quests in there just because I wanted to see what else is out there in the world, because the world is just so interesting. Yeah. Like the Norse mythology aspect of that. I'm not even like a big Norse mythology kind of guy. But <laughs> Same here. They make it interesting yeah. for you to like find out more and like see like what is this relationship he had with his dead wife and like what is her relationship to the Norse gods and why they're being such a holes and <laughs> yeah and just yeah. seeing Atreyu like like getting into his own like upgrading him next to yep. you know 
Kratos, and th- that aspect is really cool. Yeah. And I want to see how that goes on, and I'm definitely going to finish it, no doubt about it. Um, I just have a lot of other stuff on my plate, but for think, me, the uh, biggest surprise was God of War. Nice. I think as uh, Kratos would say, boy, go finish that game now. <laughs> <laughs> also a nice little uh, thingy that they did in the uh, Game Awards. Yeah, I, loved the pro- I loved that, it. I loved it. I loved that one. Great did, you see, did, you see the, did you notice the wink that he had? Yeah. That? yeah. Like, I didn't notice it the first time, but like <laughs> after watching it like a second or third time, like, oh, he winked at someone. Like, yeah. who did he wink to? Maybe the 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 creative director Corey Balrog. Yeah, he front, yeah, he yeah, was in the front, front row. row. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, thank you for that. Um, yeah. I have my own list, which is uh, I don't I don't think a lot of people will be surprised. Um, I'll start with my number three, which is Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people had that on one, but the reason I have it on three is that I love. Red Dead Redemption. I love the first one. I love the second one. Um, what I one of the f- coolest things I think about the game is the environment because the first one was like a lot of pale deserts, and here it's a lot of green, a lot of forests, a lot of living environments, which I love. You I like know, it. something akin to being realistic. Yeah, like I had a lot of moments that I was just riding on my horse, which is called Brego. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did your did any of your, do you have like the one horse or like do you have multiple? I had one horse and then he died for some weird reason which freaked me out. Wait, so why did he die? I don't know. Like, I died in combat and when I came back or when I whistled, I got this crappy horse and I'm like, where's my horse? Where's Brego? And then he suddenly was dead. And so no. I thought, okay, I can't use this shitty horse. So I went and caught the Arabian, which took me like 90 minutes to catch because he was throwing me off all the time. Yeah. Which I believe I call him Scarto. <laughs> <laughs> I suck at names. So I loved Red Dead. And I love the development of the characters. I thought Dutch was a cool guy, but later in the game he kind of becomes of a D.I.C.K. Mm-hmm. And then um, I still haven't finished Red Dead, to be honest. I think I'm at the end, but I kind of don't wanna want it to end, so I kind of like left it at where it is. <laughs> yeah, that's really strange. Um, my second game, which yeah. is um, a surprise for me in a way, is Battlefield Five or Battlefield V. I'm a huge Battlefield fan. I loved 3. I put like over 300 hours in it. I hated 4. I hated Hardline. I loved uh, 1. And then I was kind of hoping that this was going to be amazing as well. And then I played the public beta in um, in, uh, in the summer. And that game sucked. I really hated it. <laughs> it Wait, was really But bad. that was just the multiplayer, right? Yeah, but like, I, I only buy the game for the multiplayer, and the game really sucked. And I thought, okay, I'm going to cancel my pre-order. I'm just going to leave it at that, because I can't play this game in this state. It was really bad. And then I waited and waited, and then they postponed the game by a month. I was really happy that they did that, because there was a lot of community feedback. And then they took all that feedback, and they uh, released the game a month later, and they really, really made a better game out of it. Um... I've put a lot of hours into this game so far. I love it. Um, it still has its issues. They kind of pulled weird moves, like they dropped the time to kill, or they improved the time to kill so that you would die faster because they wanted to pull in more new players or more passive players. <laughs> um, the way they did it wasn't really well, but they were quick to respond, and the community said, no, we don't like this, so they reverted back. So what I love about DICE is that they really listen to us. They really listen to the community. They really want the best for the game. Um, so they're still working on a few things, but I love it so far. It's, it kind of feels like Battlefield 3 was, which I love. 
Um, and I hope that they, for first one of the first times that they've gotten away, the, they ditched the season pass or the premium pass, as they call it, and they're offering all the content for free to all the players, which won't fragment the that, base, which is really, really cool. cool. Um, I just hope that they can bring out good stuff because uh, we saw what, what happened with Battlefront 2. They said we're going to get free stuff and Battlefront 2 is kind of dying, which is... Uh, I think that one was kind of DOA. Yeah, like uh, the crystal part, or the yeah. microtransactions part. Like, besides that, if you can look past it, it's a really nice game. But like, Battlefield is on number two. My number one is, what a surprise, God of War. And that's because I love the story. I love the characters. I love pulling people apart. I love the way that the bond develops between <laughs> between the father and the son. Yeah. Um, I love it that it's kind of like an open world game, but it doesn't give you too much freedom and it doesn't restrict you too much. So there's like, you can explore when you want, but you can also quickly just go back to the story when you want. And I love yeah. that about the game. Um, and they're kind of hinting that there's gonna be a sequel. There is a pretty open end to it. So that's really okay. nice. That, um, that I did not know. Yeah, so th mm. I think like it's gonna be, it's gonna get better after this. So I really love that, and it was one of the first games that I bought a new TV this year, one of those OLED TVs, and it was one of the first games, or it was the first game that I played on that TV in 4K in HDR, and I was completely blown away. I was like, oh my god, this looks amazing, and I had it throughout my whole playthrough. A lot of times I was like, oh my god, this is so pretty. <laughs> I was looking at a plant or at an axe. I was like. Oh my god, this is so pretty. I love it, you know? And that's the kind of effect it had. Uh, the graphics are on par, and it's like a whole complete package. That's what I loved. And then we get to my surprise of the year, which is a, g a game that came out the year before, which is kind of funny, which is Zelda... Uh, what's it called again? Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. <laughs> wow, really? I'm really you bad. It, and I'm, yet you forgot I'm, the name. I'm so, that that's why I'm a Sony fanboy. But like... it's <laughs> <what? laughs> not a good excuse. <laughs> Uh, my Switch, like, I bought my Switch as an impulse. Yeah. I don't know why, I just bought it as an impulse. I bought it with Zelda, and I thought, let me just try this Zelda game, because I've heard a lot of amazing stories. It won Game of the Year, like, the year before. I'm pretty sure I told you that it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, and, like, I had played previous Zelda games, like, for a few minutes, but I never liked it. And so when I got into it, I didn't, I didn't know beforehand it was an open-world game, so that caught me by surprise, oh, which okay. I loved. And I, the most amazing thing about the game is that, like, it's Every literally in the title, but sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, everything makes sense. It's like the small details in the game that make sense, which makes it amazing. Like, when you go to chop a tree, if you chop a tree and it just falls over, it can cover the gap between a canyon and you can just walk across. When you chop some more, it turns into a pile of wood, which you can collect. You can grab fruit from your inventory, throw it, bake it, make a better item out of it, get better stats. There was, I believe in the beginning of the game, you have to climb one of the mountains, which is a really cold mountain, to get there so you can see the old man, which is like the king or something like that. Yeah. What I did, and I heard later there was a different way, like people would use the spicy pepper so that your body temperature would rise and then you could go up the mountain. Yeah. I didn't that's know that. The, that's, the, that's, the, that's the way that I did it first too, mostly because I couldn't complete the quest that he gave me to get the items to keep you warm regardless. Well, like, the funny thing is, I didn't know that. So what I did was I grabbed the torch, I ran up the oh, mountain. Really? Yeah. How and did I you found, keep it lit? Well, the, the funny thing is, is I had this torch in my hand and I was walking up the mountain and I would look at spots that had like a torch I could lit. 
So I would either lit the torch and then relit my torch or would like try to cause a fire and then lit my torch. And that's the way how I got up the mountain. And then the old man said, oh, oh, I'm surprised you got here. Well, let me just give you some warm clothes to keep you warm. And when that happened, I freaked out. I was like, couldn't you have done this before? Why did I have to walk up this mountain with and this stupid torch? And the joke is torch? he could have given it yeah, to Yeah, he could have done it before. He didn't do that. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. about the stupid peppers. I just used my torch and I got up the mountain. <laughs> but like, that's what I loved about the game. Wait, a you lot do of know that you could sense. have turned the peppers into a meal that keeps you warm for longer, right? I didn't know that. <laughs> but, that's what, but that's what makes the game so amazing. You can do it in a lot of creative and ingenious ways. And that's what makes the game amazing. I'm going to be honest. I didn't finish the game. I have a lot of games that I got into this year and I didn't get to finish because of a lot of stuff. Um, but I loved it and that's why it's my surprise of the year. And I like, I can honestly say I, w I didn't see it coming and I loved it. I loved every second of it. And maybe, heck, I'll buy a new Switch and then try to finish it. I don't know. If, we, if Marvel Ultimate Alliance comes out, I'll, <laughs> I don't know what I'll do. Well, but yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 That, all right, cool. Yeah, that wraps it up for this segment, I believe. We'll be right back after this. segment of this podcast um, we're gonna talk about our most anticipated games for this year 2019 uh, let's start with you Sean Templar thank you Max um, I don't know like I have I have like a brief view of what's gonna come out this year yeah I don't have a lot on my list but there are a few things that I'm looking forward to and maybe one prediction or two predictions I might be able to do or hope to do um, one of the most anticipated games for me, and I think for a lot of people this year, is Anthem by Bioware. Um, we talked about it earlier that it might be the Destiny Killer or whatever it's called, and that Bioware is going all in on this one. Hey, but is that really what people are calling it, though? I, I, like, I, I've heard a few people say, hey, it might be the better Destiny game because it has an actual story, which is good, and it's an RPG game because Bioware has a foundation in RPG games. Um, like, I'm... I'm really psyched. I can. I. It's coming out in like I believe next month already. So it's pretty soon. I said. So it's coming out in February. Yeah. And the funny thing is that on the day Anthem was gonna come out, Metro Exodus was gonna come out, and oh my uh, goodness, I forgot that game existed. Yeah. And Sony was gonna release Days Gone, and then when it, when I saw the announcement, I said, okay, one of the three is gonna push it, and it's not gonna be Anthem. So it eventually what happened is Sony pushed Days Gone by a month or two, and Metro Exodus also got pushed or like early I mean it's the umpteenth like delay for Days Gone so honestly I don't think that people would be surprised about that yeah like so so Anthem is, is a game that I'm really looking forward to I'm, I'm really waiting to see what Bioware is going to do they're kind of hinting that it's really a game you should play with friends instead of just play alone it'll be fine alone but it'll truly shine when you play it with other people you know Bethesda says the same thing about Fallout 7 <laughs> <laughs> look how that turned out <laughs> yeah but like I think that Bioware has a, I, I, I tend to think that Bioware has a slightly, but only a slightly better reputation on that end than Bethesda. Well, so far they've only had one mulligan, so. Yeah, yeah, so so we're going to see about that one. Um, another game I'm really looking forward to is The Division 2. I played a lot of Division 1 and I loved it. I loved the setting. I loved the, the customization of the weapons what and the systems. What do you think about the announcement for that one? Because I honestly, like, when they announced... The Division 2, I was legit surprised that The Division 2 yeah, is happening. Yeah, I didn't expect it, yeah. And seeing 
basically what they were trying to convey for that game is that, well, you can play it one way or you can play it another way. And that's fine, but it kind of, there's no middle ground there. I don't know if there is a middle ground to create, but they showed two of the most extreme ex yeah. cases that they could show. Yeah. And it looks fine, I guess. And it looks interesting, but to me... Yeah, from what I saw was that when you reach the end of your uh, level, with uh, you know, you, there's so many levels you can gain as a character, and then when you get at the end, you have to choose a specialization. And like, I believe one of the specializations one was that you got like a big-ass sniper, and the other one was that you got a grenade launcher. So it kind of plays into a role that you want to have. Like, do you want to do crowd management, or do you want to be the long-range guy? So I believe that they're trying to push you in a direction that way. Um, the, f the fun thing about the Division is, is that in the first one as well, you could like pretty easily switch up between playstyles. You could be the aggro character and grab all the aggro if you wanted. I like, for example, I always used to rock an M60 and be like that Rambo and grab all the uh, aggro. Rah! You know, and then people would either play like a glass cannon or would they, be, they would be like a tank or something like that, you know? So um, th that's fun and I like the way the, the setting. I, I think it's cool that they moved to a bit more of a warmer setting. It's cool to see that uh, Washington DC got taken over by nature so it also got more like a tropical setting. Um, so it's cool to see in which direction they're gonna take it. What I love about what they're doing with the division is that the division is gonna enter its third year, I believe, and they're still supporting the game. They're Wait, still really? bringing out content. Yeah, and it's all free. So that's cool to see that they're still doing stuff with because it. Because you can't pick up the division for like ten bucks these yeah. days. Yeah, and the f the f cool part is, is that like when you buy it now, you st you have a, a huge still, okay. But are there still people playing it regardless of whether they're supporting it or not? Um, is there still like an active, like a big enough active community to make like okay, it's ten bucks, pick it up, play it, see if you like it or not? I, I don't know the exact numbers. Like I, I stopped playing it a few months ago, but every time I still jump in, I can just quickly match make with people and play matches or I used to be able to do that um, the fun part of it is is like you can also co-op it with your friends so that's also a nice part of it it's drop-in drop-out co-ops so it's something they really did well yeah. um, another thing that I mentioned it earlier is Days Gone is a game that Sony announced like a couple of years ago and it constantly was either postponed or it didn't get a launch date and now they're saying April 26th is their firm launch date um, I hope it's April 26th. I'm really looking forward to the that's game. That's the zombie one, right? Yeah, that's the zombie one. The kind of like the one that com combines World War Z with uh, kind of a Last of Us. Uh, it looks really cool. Um, we're gonna have to. It looks really pretty, and the the parts where like the zombie mob swarms you it looks really awesome. It um, does. It does. Yeah. That game also supports like multiple play styles. I saw online that like you could play like a stealthy guy, and you could just like sneak your way past the zombies and the NPCs. Or that you could uh, go in all Rambo style and like create a lot of noise. So there's, that's cool about it. Um, we're just gonna have to wait and see for that one. There's there are like two things I hope that's gonna happen this year, and one of them is that Sony announces their new PlayStation, and it has to do with that they pulled out of E3 this year. They told us last year they're gonna not they're not gonna participate in E3. Um, and they're also not, they also didn't do PlayStation Experience last year. And the reason they gave for that was like, we have a lot of games in development. Um, we don't have anything to show you right now. Um, generally, they don't have anything new to show. Yeah, like then what generally with those things is that like, there's always stuff to show. There's always new stuff to show. I mean, like Ghost of Tsushima was a game they showed last year, which looked amazing. 
Um, so there's always stuff to show, but like it might be a signal that they're prepping to show the new PlayStation. Um, the one of the reasons. Okay, but but let's be fair though. Even when they did that, when they did that the last time, they still had E3 the year before, and they still had the PlayStation Experience the year before, before they announced the yeah. PlayStation 4. Yeah, so what I kind of heard was that a lot of companies are trying to rethink their strategy around E3 because there's a lot of stuff happening, as in prices going up for the space you have to take and the events, and like I think there's more of a financial aspect to it because if you look at EA, for example, they don't do uh, E3. They have like their own separate event which is called EA Play, which they do, which is like their own press conference they do before E3 starts. Um, I think a lot of companies will go towards like a per personal event in which they will only do PlayStation stuff or only do Microsoft stuff, so it puts more focus on their games and it's also more controllable from a financial point of view. Yeah, well, that's the same reason why Nintendo doesn't do yeah. like E3 yeah. press conferences anymore and they do these directs and yeah. honestly, Okay, from the first iteration when they did that, it was kind of hit or miss. But they've improved that formula as the years have gone on. Like Definitely. last year's was okay, mostly because they didn't have a lot of stuff to show for 2018. But they did tease a lot of stuff for 2019. Yeah. Um, which is one of the things that I want to get to when it comes to my part. Um, but suffice it to say, we don't know what's going to happen with the three starting from this year onwards because yeah. we're not going to have Sony there anymore. Um, Bethesda doesn't do anything like with E3 except for their own press conference. Mm -hmm. EA does the EA Play stuff. So what you're left with is Nintendo, Ubisoft, Sega, and a couple of other players like Microsoft yeah. is still there. And but yeah, This um, could be a sign that like, yeah. a, big, a big company or a big publisher and developer, Sony, is pulling out of E3. So it could be a signal that like others might pull out as well. I mean, like they have the courage to do it. I don't know if it's gonna work. I don't know if it's gonna be better. Like I think they're gonna do a separate event later this year and then announce their new PlayStation, or they might just do an event at Gamescom or at Paris Game yeah, Show. Yeah, but it's not gonna be anything Game Show. Because let's be honest, the PlayStation, the PlayStation Five, or whatever they're gonna call it, is not. It's not gonna be announced this year and then come out like holiday twenty twenty. And like I think the most plausible thing they'll do is either what what they did with the PS4 is they announced it in like Q1 of that year and they brought it out in the holiday season of the same year. So the thing that I the, the which most, is what you would normally yeah like the most logical thing to do for them is either announce it again in Q1 this year they did it last time in New York with a special event. So either announce it this year and then show it off at a different event uh, in the middle of the year like Gamescom. And then bring it out holiday season this year so they can grab the most momentum. Because, to be honest, I think Microsoft is going to try to pull off the same thing. And the only way Microsoft gets on top of this is when they release their console before Sony does. Well, Microsoft has a lot of things that they're doing in terms of staying relevant for at least this coming fiscal year. Yeah. Um, which is... Like, I don't know when their fiscal year starts. I think it was, like, most companies, which is, like, April. Something like um, that, yeah. But the rumors, at least for Microsoft, are that they're going to be releasing a driverless Xbox One. I saw that one, yeah. Um, and, uh, and a slightly more different 
uh, Xbox One S, which does have a drive, but you know with cheaper costs, so it's yeah. a lot cheaper yeah. to produce. Uh, so so like at least with Microsoft, I can almost guarantee that they're not going to announce a next generation system this year unless they pull a xbox one x which they did the last time and quite honestly i don't know if that was a good idea or not because it took a year and a half for that system to come out and even when it did come out it kind of i mean it got sales and people bought it but honestly i felt like it kind of landed with a thud mostly yeah. because they decided to launch with PUBG and it ran as horse crap. <laughs> yeah, so so like the thing I, I see them doing and I see Sony doing is that they either do what I said like they're gonna do it this year or they're gonna announce it this year and they're gonna bring it out in like March or April next year. But what I think that like a part of their strategy will be, which Microsoft kinda missed, is that I think they'll still keep in the PS4 but they'll like bring out the they'll keep in the PS4 Pro and they'll lower the price to like two ninety nine or two forty nine or something like that, and they'll call it entry level or affordable four K because it does checkerboarding and does stuff native stuff, and they'll bring out the PS five and say like okay if you want native true four K which 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 Microsoft's kind of trying to do is with the One X is like if you want native four K on sixty FPS because a lot of people say that that's the point they're aiming at, you can buy the PS five which is gonna be Hopefully four ninety nine. I don't think they'll get away by making it four ninety nine because then you'll get in the same territory as the Xbox One and the X. And I think that in these times, consumers are aware and are like are really more focused on price because I think that's one of the reasons the PS Four got this generation is because they were in stores for three ninety nine instead of four ninety nine with the Connect you didn't want. And like shortly thereafter, they ditched the Connect Microsoft and they still weren't able to catch up. Games, of course, plays a lot of into this. But I think three ninety nine was a really good soft spot. So I hope they bring out the five at three ninety nine and make the pro two ninety nine and call it affordable four K. But then here comes the really interesting part, and then we're we're gonna move on for this one. This is my question to you. Yeah. If Sony and Microsoft bring out their next generation systems, and all it does is improve on what they already did with the Xbox One and the PlayStation Pro mm -hmm. for Pro, would that be enough for you to be like okay? Now I'm gonna go to the next generation. Um, partially because um, I see the difference. I had like a normal PlayStation Four, and I upgraded to a Pro, and I see the difference now. And now I know, like for example, Horizon Zero Dawn is one of those games that really shows that if a developer puts in the time and effort to really optimize their game for the Pro, it really shines. And I think that's still one of the best examples of a developer harnessing the power of the pro. So like, if more developers do that and they have more bandwidth and more space and room to like get more out of it, I think it'll be amazing. But I think that like besides the 4K and the 60 FPS target they're aiming at, I think they'll they'll do other stuff as well to like improve the experience because. Um, some people say that certain, there have been patents about it that Sony might pull off like a move like a switch make a portable console and then a dock where you put it in but then yeah you won't I be able to have Sony uh, has pretty much given up on portable I think so as well because <laughs> <laughs> like if, if you look at it there's no way they can build a 4k 60 FPS capable machine 
and then have it available on the go unless you do something like the PSVR with a separate processing unit, which isn't cool. Um, so I'll do it, but it depends on the, the added experience I get with it. If it's just prettier graphics and smoother frame rates, I'll still do it, but I won't be as happy with it as I should be. But I think they've, they, they're looking at different ways to like make it better. And like that's the last part I want to seg into is that at the end of the day, it'll come down to the games. And like every developer, they'll say like some games will only be available on that new console because that's where it truly shines. And like everybody's hoping that Sony brings out The Last of Us 2 this year because it was also announced a couple of years ago and they've showed it every year. And it looked amazing and they showed a gameplay demo last year which when i first saw it i almost thought it was like uh i thought it was surreal because it really really looked nice and i kind of hope that sony's going to bring out the last of us to this year because otherwise people are going to lose interest because i think the assumption is that it's going to come out this year i know but they they still haven't committed to a launch date they're like they're to they're it's almost like blizzard that when it's done they'll bring it out and last year they showed like a trailer in which you would see people's reaction to the reveal trailer, which is really cool. But like, people just want this game and it needs to come out this year. I think if they skip this year, people will just simply lose interest because it's already three years or something like that since the game's been announced. Something and you can, like yeah, you can only like keep people interested for so long. It kind of happened to Gran Turismo a few years ago. They announced it too soon and it took too long for the game to come out. And when the game finally came out, people were like, yeah, okay, but there's other stuff to play right now. So that's that's my part, and yeah, I'd, I'd bounce the question back to you. What do you think is going to happen this year? Well, um, my list is a little bit different, of course. Um, I, we already mentioned it. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 coming yeah. to the Switch exclusively through Ninja, through Team Ninja, which is really cool. It looks really different. Um, I'm curious how that's going to end up. I know it's coming out this year. I don't know when it's going to come out this year. Like, there's a lot of from my point, like since my focus is mostly on Nintendo games or games that come on Nintendo systems, um, there's a lot of games that have been announced coming to Switch that do not have a date for 2019, but we know it's coming out in 2019. Um, there are already rumors flying around that this month, so in January, there's going to be a Nintendo Direct. Most of the times, they have a Nintendo Direct at the end of the year to prepare people for the coming first next quarter of the year so from january to march but they didn't do that they they so they didn't that they didn't do that last year so that means that there has to be a direct coming out this year this month to showcase <laughs> what else is coming out because the only thing that people know that are coming out is this um the other thing that we know that's coming out this year is the new fire emblem three houses which looks amazing and like not I don't know if you've ever seen or played a Fire Emblem game before, but it's a strategy RPG where you have individual characters that are characters playing war. And you move your characters, and you're technically in an army, but the army is like, what, six people during <laughs> any given battle? But the enemy has like a whole bunch of like, you know, fodder that you need to kill off, mm -hmm. you know, minus the actual characters that are also on the battlefield. But with three houses, you can actually see the actual military that you're in, and they're fighting alongside your main characters, nice. which is really cool. I'll send you the trailer for that um, after all this, but suffice to say, 
Fire Emblem Three Houses is promising to be something completely different than it's ever been before. Like it still has the core aspects of Fire Emblem, but all these new end mechanics that they have, they have like this my castle kind of thing where you're actually walking around in your castle and interacting with other characters and buffing them through those interactions. Really looks cool. That sounds cool. The next thing, of course, and this is a big one for a lot of uh, Nintendo fans that people have been craving for, especially since Let's Go came out, is the next Pokemon mainline game, which they also announced last year um, during E3. This is like a true, uh, true Pokemon game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the mainline game, yeah. so like the, the, the eighth generation of Pokemon games, mm. so... Prepare for more diverse Pokemon. I honestly don't know how much they're going to add because <laughs> we, at least from a, like a Pokemon fan perspective, we know what happens when they don't have a lot of new character uh, Pokemon to introduce. Then you get Pokemon, what was it, Diamond and Pearl? That has that. I think that one had the least amount of new Pokemon introduced into the series. Um, but now that they introduced with the seven gen, like the Alolan variants, that means that you basically all bets are off. You can have variants from any generation coming forward. And that's the cool aspect about it. But how they're going to handle the game itself, knowing what Let's Go was and what this next game is going to be, it's going to be a more traditional game. This is going to be the first time that they're doing this on console. Okay. Because every previous mainline game has always been on a handheld. With a few exceptions, like say the Pokemon Coliseum games on GameCube, but those, those weren't really mainline games, and the battle system was different, and the capture system was different. So those are just like just spin-off games, but those weren't mainline. They showed the potential of what a mainline game could look like, but it wasn't made by the actual developers. It was made by another developer that they collaborated with, Genius Sonority. Um, which Who's doing are, this game? Hmm? Who's doing this game? Game Freak. So yeah. Game Freak themselves are doing this game along with Creature and okay. stuff. And yeah, I mean, just looking at how Let's Go Picture and Let's Go Eevee looks is already signs of potential in terms of graphics, the way they might go. And it looks really good. Like Pokemon Let's Go really looks great. And hopefully they keep the whole... They, they stop doing the random battles because random battles were taken out of Let's Go. You can see the Pokemon, and if you want to capture that, you just walk up to that Pokemon and catch them. That's not cool. That is cool, because what it used to be is you walk two steps, and you get into a random battle. But I like that. But, yeah, I mean, for its time, it was fine. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm a JRPG fan through and through. And I love, and I... I enjoy <laughs> random battles. <laughs> But I think that's a bit antiquated at this point. And yeah. quite honestly, I'd rather be able to avoid Pokemon, especially in caves, because in caves, Pokemon were inescapable. <laughs> like, at least in the overworld, you have the tall grass, so you can avoid it by walking around it. But in caves, you were just helpless. At okay. least in Let's Go, you have the option to walk around the Pokemon. So hopefully they keep that aspect from Let's Go, uh, Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. Um, the third game, which is coming out this month, which is Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, that's didn't nice. Didn't even talk about, about it. Oh. Yeah, I forgot. And I'm a big Kingdom Hearts fan, except for the fact that I've never finished any of the Kingdom Hearts games. I have played them, 
extensively, especially Dream Drop Distance on the 3DS. Yeah. And I was at the final boss, and then I lost my cart. I saw that uh, there's a sale in the PlayStation Store, so you can buy all the remakes for real cheap. So maybe yeah, but look then at that they're one. also bringing out the story thus far, which is basically everything together. Oh, I didn't know that. So I'm gonna wait until that comes out and see how much that costs, and then get that, and then I think that comes with um, Kingdom Hearts three, so that's basically everything. Mm -hmm. So that that's something I'm really looking forward to. The game looks gorgeous. Like uh, I love the way it looks. Yeah. The game looks gorgeous. I'm just afraid to no, get no, into no, it. No, 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 no. The game looks gorgeous. <laughs> End of discussion. No, it is no. the most prettiest game. Oh, definitely. For 2019. Yeah, but like my thing is that I'm afraid to get into the game because I only played the first Kingdom Hearts like on PlayStation Two. I yeah. And um, at the time, I remember putting like a lot of time and effort into it, but I don't know if I got far in the game. So. Like, if I think back at it, I don't know if I'm ready and if I can bring it up to put that much time again into a story so far. Well, and then JRPG. Yeah, and then still, like, after that intensive experience, say, like, oh, okay, now it's time to play Kingdom Hearts 3 and then play that. Because I, I kind of get the feeling it's like a Final Fantasy game since it's being made by Square Enix. Yeah. And it'll be like 80 or 100 hours before I finish it. And I don't know if I'll be able to pull that off. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that at the very least it's 60 hours long. Uh, so just like just take that. For tell me it how is. it is. I'll just <laughs> and, and, yeah. I'll let you know. Yeah. I'll let you know how it is. Um, and the last one, and this is more of a speculation because of um, something that got announced during the game awards, which is Joker from Persona Five coming to Smash as the first DLC character, which is. The most ridiculous and most amazing announcement that they could have possibly done at the Game Awards because one, people did not expect that. Yeah. Two, people knew that Nintendo was in charge of the DLC list, not Sakurai himself. So the fact that Joker is in it, who has never been on a Nintendo system, and to be more specifically, no mainline Persona game has ever left the PlayStation ever, except for maybe like the spin-offs like Persona Dancing All Night, or the Persona Q games on the 3DS, which are also really cool. Um, but that's not mainline. And Joker does not appear in Persona Q. He appears in the sequel, which is out in Japan right now. Mm. Hopefully it'll be announced for the West in 3DS. I don't know. We don't know. But the game exists, and Joker is in that game. So for at least for J Japanese players, it makes sense. But for like a global aspect... It would make more sense if they brought out Persona 5 to Switch. I don't know what kind of deal they have with Sony in terms of the Persona franchise, mm -hmm. but but the rumors are that it is coming and it'll be announced when Joker gets released as DLC character. That's basically what the rumors are at the moment. I hope that that's the case. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah, because exactly. I want to play Persona 5, but honestly... Stuff like that. It's the same reason why I bought a PlayStation Vita. Okay. I played, bought a PlayStation Vita for one thing and one thing only, and that was Persona 4 Golden. Wow. And I bought Persona 4 Golden on discount before I bought the Vita. <laughs> wow, okay. So, <laughs> so you can understand how much I am looking forward to Persona 5 potentially coming to Switch. I can uh, understand. I, I don't play JRPGs and I, maybe like a few ones in the past. Um, I've never played a Persona game, 
but based on how enthusiastic you are, I hope it's gonna be a good, cool game. If it comes to Switch. If it comes to Switch. I, honestly, I, all, I almost want to recommend you playing Persona 5 as well, because even I know that you're not into JRPGs, but the, the game mechanics in Persona 5 are very broad. Like, the, the battle mechanics are very to the point. It's, you know, your standard um, turn-based uh, thing. But then you have the second aspect of it, which is the social aspect in the game where you socialize with other characters and the social interactivities don't only develop the characters in the game, but also increases your stats. So the more you interact, the more your stats improve. Okay. So I honestly, I really want you to actually try it and just see what, like I'm not even telling you to finish the game. I just want you to play it and know what your opinion is on that because like either that or Persona 4 Golden, like those are really good jumping on points. Persona 3 is okay, um, but then you'd have to play it on a PSP. I still um, might have one of those lying around. I mean, it's a good game. I don't know if that's the best jumping on point because a lot of people got into the Persona game because of Persona 4, because mm-hmm. how good that was on PlayStation 2. That's also probably one of the reasons why a lot of people got a Vita because it was announced for the Vita. So, yeah, I mean, try like try any of them. Don't try the first one. The first one is kind of antiquated. I'll think about it. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. I think uh, we've uh, talked a lot about stuff. I think it's time to wrap up. Yeah. I want to thank you. I want to thank everybody that listened. Yeah. And we'll be back soon on the new episode. And see you guys then, or hear you guys then. Yeah, so hopefully uh, this when this goes out, um, like, not the next week but the week after that there will be a new episode for you guys to listen to Um, just keep following us and listening to us and again thanks again and see you guys next time nice